This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Super Cast. It is Damon, of course. Uh, Joel still, still away on his uh, home <laughs> homebound journey. I don't even know what it is. He's been there for a month. He deserves it. He hasn't seen his family in a very long time. But uh, I'm, uh, once again, fl- driving the ship, flying the ship. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, we... Send out the uh, Super J Cast bat signal, and uh, you know I can't do a solo show. There's, <laughs> I could, but it would be terrible. You know that. So uh, we send out the call, and uh, lo and behold, I'm super excited because here with us today for a little bit of time, carving out some time in this busy schedule, the great Robbie Eagles joining us here on the Super J Cast. Thanks, Robbie, for. Uh, Hopping on with us and having some fun with us. Hey, not a worry, Damon. It's the uh, the least I could do for all the support that you guys throw our way. Well, listen, uh, we are big fans of what you guys are doing so far uh, in G1 and even earlier and pandemic pro wrestling and all of that. Uh, the, let's let's get the 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 uh, the. Uh, Easy stuff out of the way. How are you feeling? How how are you physically holding up down there? In uh, you're in Sydney, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm back home in Sydney at the moment. Okay. How's the body hang uh, doing? You resting up? You getting uh, you getting excited for Mexico? Yeah, actually, um, Mexico's kind of crept up on me quite quickly now. So that's been something I've kind of had in the back pocket for a little bit, and now that it's announced, it's it's cool to talk about. But the body's feeling great. Um, after the best of the Super Juniors, it wasn't too crash hot because that is a rough, rough tournament to be in, especially with all the uh, the new blood we had going in that last one. So um, there's there's a picture that I can probably send you guys that will uh, reiterate this story, but I was being held together by tape, literally. And uh, the time off after finishing that tour and then coming back home was, was much needed. So the schedule I've had at home, I've had a couple of matches here or there, but it's definitely been less grueling than a best of the super juniors. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Now, would you say that that tournament and tournaments in general is it? I mean, obviously, you don't want to get hurt in the beginning, right? but is it just like like match after match after match that just wears down on you? Or uh, in in this case, was there an early injury that you had to work your way through? It's kind of a combination of the both. I think of the two. Um, there was a moment when I was wrestling Master Wato and uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a crazy son of a bitch. Uh, we've got a pretty interesting friendly rivalry going on in New Japan since he's uh, come back from excursion. But, uh, you know, he kind of gets really fired up whenever he fights me and um, he, he decided to do one of his crazy tornado dives to the outside and I figured it would be a great idea to catch that dive with my head. And, uh, yeah, there was a moment of, 
being unable to breathe for a good 20 seconds on the on the mat on the outside and I thought you know this is it I'm done uh, but was able to keep keep going and fighting and get up and you know that was midway maybe a little earlier than that in the tournament and then by the time I got to my match with with Titan and you know losing didn't make it any easier but uh I came back from that match and I was like oof I'm in I'm in rough shape and the combination also comes from the bus rides for several hours and the hotel rooms changing from mm-hmm. one that has a firm bed to one that has a soft bed and one that has a firm pillow to one that has basically no pillow. Um, so all that stuff I think affects you when you're on the road and, you know, whilst you're doing it, the adrenaline's going, it's all great. But as soon as you cool down, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And that's what's happened to me uh, at the end of the tournament. So when we got to that final night in the eight man tag, I was like, thank God I've got three other guys on my team to share the load with. Right. Do you, I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated by the logistics of pro wrestling, as I like to call it, not even necessarily the, the stuff that goes on in the ring, but it's how do you get from point A to point B and who arranges that? And how does that like, that's the stuff that I I think a lot of our listeners kind of get into too, to a certain degree. Do you, I mean, do you find that to be the hardest part about, about doing a tour is is the stuff that's outside the ring, the 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 bus rides, the hotel rooms, all of that? Yeah, I think so because it can affect you mentally as well, um, especially if you've gotten kind of settled into one place, say before the tour starts. Uh, you might have f- a five-day stretch after you arrive where you're kind of just in one spot and you get quite comfortable, almost like you would be at home, I guess, or at, at as much at home as you could be. So once you hit the road and you're kind of in one hotel for one night at the next and you're up early to take these bus rides, some of them are two to three hours, some of them are five to eight hours. Um, and, you know, otherwise you can make your own choices and take the bullet train if you want to. Sometimes I've chosen to take a flight just because I've had reward points that I could use and, you know, an hour on a plane versus eight on the bus, like it's a it's a pretty easy decision. Um, so just making those choices, you know, can definitely help out, but it's still the stress of packing and unpacking and then getting settled in, but not getting settled in. And do I have time to hit the gym uh, before we have to travel again or move hotels or whatever it may be. And all, all that stuff can really shake you up. Cause I, I'm, I'm a man that likes to keep to a schedule. I, mm. I like to have kind of my week planned out, know what I'm doing day to day. And, you know, I have a five day schedule gym routine. So, and that's usually Monday to Friday. Um, if I if that gets thrown out of whack, which it generally does when I'm in Japan, I stress out about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, okay, day four is supposed to be Thursday, but it's Sunday, so I gotta catch up. And then week two is gonna bleed into this week. And, you know, it, it just kind of fucks with my head a little bit. Um so I, I think others can get like that too, and some people are better at it than me, I guess. Uh, but I do get surprised every time that I I kind of see one of the more experienced travelers and they're just like yeah, I don't know what airport I'm going to, but I just know to show up on time or I don't know what hotel I'm going to, but I know to show up at this time. And I'm like, man, that would stress me out not knowing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm that kind of traveler too where I kind of like to have my ducks in a row. Uh, is there a person in getting your feet wet in this business that kind of helps school you in that a little bit more? Or or do you have a person um, like your first tour of Japan that kind of showed you the ropes? My first, so like if we go all the way back, I actually wrestled for Zero One originally in 2012 and I lived in Tokyo for three months training and wrestling for them. Um, 
But Japan in 2012 versus Japan in 2018 are completely different worlds uh, just in terms of like, you know, the accessibility of the internet. That 2012 was still the period of time where you'd had, you had to print out the directions to get somewhere. <laughs> it's like turn right here, turn left there, walk 500 meters straight or whatever it would be. So, um, yeah, very different between the two times I existed in Japan, I guess. And uh, that tour in 2018, the first time I wrestled for New Japan, there wasn't really anyone showing me the ropes too much um, because I was in the Bullet Club at the time. Jay White did kind of take me under his wing a little bit because I think he could see me struggling, um, especially when things like the call time for the buses are, say, 11 a.m., but the expectation is to be there a little bit before 11. Uh, you don't want to be mm. the last guy in the bus. And that was me on my first tour the first couple of days. So I was getting some pretty cranky looks come my way. And then I got I got the Iggy. I got told what was up and I figured okay. it out. And and now I'm passing on that information to all the other new guys that have come along. So yeah, I try to pay it forward, but a lot of it, you just have to learn on your own, to be honest. All right. Is that the first time for um, Wrestle One? Was that a learning experience unlike any other for you like just spending so much time in japan spending so much time you know immersed in the culture um was that a wake-up call for you oh hugely i was uh was 21 i had been with my now wife only about just shy of a year um so i was fully expected to come home and she'd be like yeah you went away for three months i'm done with you um <laughs> but she stuck it out so that was nice uh but yeah it was the longest i'd been away from home on my own uh it was the longest i'd been overseas uh on my own as well before that i had done a little trip to the east coast of the states in 2011 and trained and wrestled over there for a little bit but two weeks versus three months especially in a country that doesn't speak english predominantly it was a huge culture shock. Um, I kind of knew what to expect because I had colleagues and peers through the other promotions in Australia that had done those tours before and kind of told me what to expect and, you know, the do's and don'ts. But until you get there for your own, it, you really don't know uh, what it's going to be about. And, I mean, that schedule for Zero One was crazy. We would We would train for four to five hours almost every day and then – you know, sometimes I'd think, okay, sweet, we have nothing else to do. I'd kind of lounge about, you know, watch some movies, go eat some food with some of the other guys or whatever. And then, you know, 11 p.m. would hit and someone from the dorm would say, hey, uh, we have to be at the dojo at 1 a.m. And I'd be like, what for? Oh, for an eight-hour bus ride to tomorrow's show or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Glad I knew about that. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, some of the 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 – I don't want to say the horror stories, but the, like I said, the, the people that we speak with, you know, say those bus rides are maybe the worst part of, of everything it now. Okay. So here's, here's one of those goofy logistics questions. Do you get to pick your seat on the bus or do you kind of have a section that you got to stay in or like, how, how is that working out? Well, this is uh it's a good question because it is, changing tour to tour i guess um when you know everyone's on the bus because i'm on the chaos bus um we've 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 got our own kind of section bus and you know there'll be sometimes where we pick up a few stragglers along the way uh that need to join on our bus because the other one's full or what have you but it's usually part of hontai as well um i do have a preferred seat 
But when I'm not there, someone else is taking that position. So sometimes you kind of walk in and go, okay, I'm going to go to my normal seat. And there's things there. You're not sure if you should move them. You're not sure if you should sit there or not. So I'm always very politely asking anyone a little bit more senior than me (laughs) if I can sit in that seat or if someone else is going to be taking it for that trip. And, you know, luckily I haven't had any issues, but uh, you do have to kind of roll with it and go with the flow sometimes as well. When we, uh, you know, maybe we we had a bus breakdown recently, so we all had to converge onto one bus, which was very stressful. Um, And it was a very packed, packed bus, whereas usually we get a, a little bit more space to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of case by case really. Wow. I mean, it, it, it seems, and like I said, the, the bus ride stories are, are always, you know, some of the, the crazier ones. Let's, I want to kind of shift gears and, and talk a little bit about how new Japan does focus on those factions. And it's not just, front facing like you described i'm on the chaos bus um like talk a little bit about how that kind of infiltrates uh everything that new japan does with those factions when it comes to like training and and buses and and stuff like that well yeah i think uh you know just talking about the the buses and them being separate it, it does flow into everything else and that's that's that unit mentality and I think what it does is it really brings us as a unit together. Um, like I mentioned, there are some times that we might share the chaos bus with some Hontai guys and vice versa. You know, we might, we might jump on the Hontai bus uh, because we kind of work together. So that's fine. And uh, same works with training together. Um, we'll, we'll share the dojo space, for instance, at the same times, whereas, you know, there'll be other times where, it's it's section off for LIJ or we know some Suzuki Gun guys are going to be coming in to work out. So we we don't really interact and it's probably for the best because I think a lot of fights would break out, um, which is not ideal because we're already busted up as it is from the touring schedule. Uh, so, you know, if, you know, uh, Hiromu's after me as the IWGP junior, junior heavyweight champion and, you know, I'm training and then he walks into the room, I'm not going to be super comfortable with him being there because what if I start talking tactics and strategy or starting to, you know, train with one of the young lions on some stuff that I want to use in that matchup. So it's, it's very much from the whole perspective of new Japan from in ring, to outside of the ring, as you mentioned, it's, it's unity for those units. Um, everyone travels together exactly like that and it forms bonds. I, I, I can tell you now I have great relationships with guys like Yoshihashi and Yo, uh, and you know, someone like Ishii really kind of looks out for me from a seniority role. Um, which was really interesting because he's got a, he's, he's like a tough nut to crack. So I've seen him smile a couple of times and uh, that's been <laughs> a couple. Yeah, only a couple, only a couple. Really and breaking I've been, the ice, Robbie. That's good. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there for, for four years now, Damon. So uh, I'm going to chalk that up as a win. And yeah. uh, I, I think sometimes I can get him to chuckle at a few jokes that he understands. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm super appreciative of those long bus rides for that case. Yeah. When you're home, and you get the lineup for the best of the super juniors. Are you the type of person that's, okay, I'm in this block. Cool. I have these guys. Great. I'm looking forward to this, this, this. Do you kind of picture that in your mind while you're getting that schedule at home? Yeah, I definitely do my study and research. Um, there was people 
when we first got the announcements of the entrance overall that I started kind of sleuthing a little bit. Some people I already knew somewhat, um, but it was kind of hard to really go ham on the on the homework at that point, not knowing the blocks. But when the blocks were revealed, it was like, okay, cool. So it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I really, really, really went, I think, overboard, but it worked out in my favor uh, for Wheeler Yuta. And that was because he was my first match. So I didn't want to have someone new come into the tournament from somewhere that is more unknown to me being AEW and have him pick up the victory over me. I wanted to say, hey, listen here, motherfucker. I'm the guy that's been in Super Juniors before you. I don't care what combat club you're from. You can take these fists and these feet and you can do what you like with them, but you ain't beating me. So I definitely do my research. I definitely do my study. And then I also look at history. Um, I look at the fact that Doki's never beaten me and I want to continue that streak going. I look at the fact that Desperado and I trade wins constantly and uh, that fuels the fire of making sure that I can try and string two in a row against him at some point. So, yeah, I definitely like to be a pretty tactical uh, wrestler overall from the study to the actual in the ring. I think that's why the Sniper of the Skies is such a fitting moniker for me, even as a person. Yeah. D, I'm gathering, you know, you're watching a lot of video and, and stuff like that. Are there guys that you were surprised, maybe not surprised is the word, but uh, pleasantly um, shocked, I don't know, um, in in the sense of, wow, I really knew it was going to be good, but I really felt comfortable with this person in the ring, um, and maybe you didn't before, or maybe you didn't work with them before. Uh, well, going back, Real Yuta would definitely be that guy straight away. Um, I think... You know, a lot of people I saw talking about the chemistry that we had from our opening six man to our, you know, first round best of the super juniors contest. And he's definitely someone that I'd I'd like to mix it up with again because I think our styles clash quite well. Uh I think he brings out a different side of my my in ring uh technique. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much about the fact that he's ducking me for an ROH pure championship match that he's owed me since then. You know, I'm not gonna talk about that too much, Damon. If you want to talk about it, we can <laughs> that's, talk about that's, it. listen, uh, we we definitely will will be talking about it. But I know that's uh, that that's on your radar, right? Oh, hundred percent. I was uh, I was tuned in to Death Before Dishonor for Ring of Honor just recently, and um, I, I thought it was quite cute that he came out at the end to challenge for tag team titles. Keep him busy. Keep him away from me. You know, I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. When COVID hit, you were one of those guys that, you know, by hook or by crook, <laughs> you found a way to make it make it to to Japan. Touch on a little bit about how difficult of a time that was for you, um, not only from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint, um, and the the impact these past two years have had in your time at New Japan. It was really disheartening when everything happened. Um, 2020 was really shaping up to be a huge year for me in the way that, you know, scheduling was happening and just opportunities as well. You know, people like Hiromu having come back at the end of 2019 and I got a couple of tag matches against him, but that was it. Um, I really wanted to test myself against someone that was kind of the stalwart of the division and then that kind of got put to a halt. And, uh, you know, I got to do some really fortunate things right before the world 
I guess, shut down for all, all the COVID related reasons. I went to the Philippines and wrestled there and that's my second home um, because it's where my mum's from. So uh, it was very special to be there because I hadn't been there since I was about one years old, really. Um, wow. Uh, and, you know, it was. It turned out that that was the, the last time that I saw my dad because he was living over there and he passed away at the end of 2020. So right. I was the last of his six children to see him. Um, so I really hold that. Uh, near and dear to my heart, but also the the community of of wrestlers and wrestling fans in Manila really came out, and they're such fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling specifically too. It really was so eye opening to me. So that was such a great experience. But literally while I was there, that's when I found out that everything was coming to a halt. Um, I got messages saying the next tour I was doing was, you know, up in the air. And by the time I got back to Australia, things shut down and I got told not to get on the flight. And and then it all kind of trickled down our way as well. We had, you know, a couple of local events happening in Sydney. And then all of a sudden we had a, a big, it was almost sold out. It was one of our prestige venues here in Sydney. And mm. then uh, the day of the venue's like, yep, don't come. And oh. We were like, okay, what do we do? And we pivoted. We ran a live stream for our from our academy that I help run classes at, and uh, we still put on a show. And uh, at that point, I was like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing for the next little bit going forward. And then it was a complete shutdown. Nothing. Couldn't even leave the house. No gyms. No wrestling training. No travel. Nothing. Um, it was really hard. It was really hard to realize that this huge 2020 opportunity for me was kind of falling through my fingers and it got to a point Damon where I thought you know shit what if what if New Japan doesn't continue what if there are major changes because I'm quite new to that company what if they just go you know you're on the chopping block because of seniority or budget reasons or whatever it is you see it all the time and I've got friends that have worked for WWE and have had that happen to them so I was like this could be a reality so I started looking at my my shoot resume Uh-oh. as a backup plan, and I what was, was like, the backup? "What was the backup?" Well, I didn't I didn't get far enough, but I did have a career for six years before I signed the New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I moved pretty pretty far up into a corporate business here. Okay, so I was like, I could go crawling back there, but I really don't want to. Mm-mm. I still have nightmares about working that job, so you know it, it's not ideal. But I know they would take me back in a heartbeat. So if that if that's what I needed to do, that's what I needed to do. But thankfully enough, you know the the call came when when things started back up, and you know New Japan started with their empty arena events, and then they brought crowds back, but there was no cheering and only clapping and that sort of stuff. And and then I was told, yeah, you're going to travel in October, uh, quarantine for a little bit. And then you'll do Super Juniors November to December. And, uh, you know, that was the light at the end of the tunnel I needed. I just needed to know that there was still a spot for Robbie Eagles on the roster and that they still wanted whatever I'm bringing to the table. So, yeah, forever thankful for that set of emails that came my way. Yeah, no doubt. I think a lot of people fail to realize the stress and the the pressure on you guys when all this was going down. Uh, So not only... Are we not going to run shows and make money? Um, when we do come back, it's going to be under some very odd situation. And the clap crowd probably being first and foremost. Did, knowing that they, that fans couldn't cheer in an arena, in a, in a profession where 
a lot of this is based off of crowd reaction. How difficult was you was it for you to make a transition, and how weird was it for you to wrestle in front of quiet buildings? Weird is an understatement. It was, <laughs> oh man, like y- y- you could say surreal, you could say strange. It-, it felt like it was, you know, an alternate dimension that New Japan was living in. Um, I had been told by those that were doing the previous tours hey, expect this or don't expect that. But until I got out there and then it happened in front of me, um, I think where I'd normally be used to hearing the fans call call out, Robbie, Robbie, like after I did something or on my entrance and they're just being silenced and then there'd be a delay and then there's just this kind of eruption of polite clapping. It was like, oh man, like, am I going to be able to do this? Uh, but for me, I just went back to um, my origins and, you know, I I talk about this quite openly, um, but I was a, a backyard wrestler uh, when I was 15 years old. And sometimes I'd be wrestling in front of my one friend that was holding the camera to film our makeshift match. So mm-hmm. I'm used to wrestling in front of no reactions and, you know, it's not it's not the greatest skill to have, but I'm glad that I was able to revert back to kind of my 15-year-old self and go, well, look, when I did it then... I'd picture, I guess, an arena-sized audience cheering my name and making noise anyway. So I kind of just did that, like a little bit of tunnel vision, get through the match. You're still getting some some noise from the clapping and, and foot stamping and whatever else they can do. And uh, that was enough to get me by. But, you know, we're, we're definitely waiting for those September dates where the, the crowds at New Japan are going to be able to make that noise again and, Hopefully I can be there to be a part of it because I think I think I will sob quite openly when that does happen. I think there's going to be a lot of people that do. I think there's going to be a lot of people that do. And you could see, you know, just in the the um, faces. Um, I went to Washington, saw saw the show there, the Capitol Collision show, and and uh, the uh, Forbidden Door in Chicago, and like you could see. You know, guys that haven't wrestled in front of fans in a, quite a long time, or have wrestled in front of fans, but you know, not cheering fans, and just the reaction on their faces um, was was pretty telling of of how excited they were to be there. Yeah, I guess that's the um, luxury I've had every time I've come back to Australia and performed here is we haven't been restricted like that. We we might have you know ad- attendance restrictions in terms of half capacity venues, people having to wear masks, but there's never been an issue with people making noise. So I've been very lucky, um, especially coming back from that Super Juniors in 2020. I quarantined in a hotel room when I got back to Sydney. Uh, got out two days after Christmas, which was a bit of a bummer. But mm. um, shortly after, uh, I think it was late January, I started doing some local events again. You know, some of them were smaller scale, some of them were a bit bigger, but man, the first time I heard the crowd erupt, even though I was only in Japan for a couple of weeks for that Super Juniors tour, it was it was like I hadn't heard them for years. So I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, guys like Goto and Yoshihashi performing at that Forbidden Door event in like such a huge arena with just fans chomping at the bit to see anything from New Japan at that stage. So, yeah, I, I, I envy them for that that feeling and the uh, reaction that they would have got. What what building you're looking forward to, Packed House, 
like are are you a a, a dome guy or do you uh do you have a different arena that you love to perform in and can't wait to hear cheering da- crowds? Damon, nothing compares to a packed hot Corican Hall. Nothing, yeah. nothing compares Agreed. to it. It is amazing, right? That building and for those who haven't been there, it's it's on the fifth floor. So you have to take an elevator up to this what is gymnasium a good word? I don't know, <laughs> I don't, but it's not super big. But there's just so much history, and when you're in there, you you feel it, right? I mean, it's 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 an important venue that people want to perform at, right? It's it's historic. Like my 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 trainers, uh, my family, Ryan Eagles and Madison Eagles, they were so invested in the Japanese culture when I was coming up, uh, learning the craft that I had seen tons of matches at Corican Hall and uh, I knew it was such a big deal. And that was actually where I made my debut for Zero One in 2012. And then when I came back and wrestled for New Japan, that was where I made my debut for New Japan in 2018. So I really do hold that building as a special place in my heart. And funnily enough, um, my wife and I, we honeymooned in Japan in 2018 when we got married in March. And uh, against her will, uh, but she did succumb to it a little bit, we actually attended a Corican Hall event as part of the New <laughs> Japan Cup. And we stood at the top at the uh, standing room sure. section on the on the upper tier. Yep. And man, that was – it was incredible to see it from that view. Um, I'm glad I only did it once. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on the other side of it now. But I definitely got an appreciation for the fans that come out and support us like that too. Yeah. I'm always amazed at, and I don't know if you had the the luxury of going out into the lobby, and it's just jam packed, and and I mean people are shoulder to shoulder, um, and then in an orderly fashion, boom, they're right back in their seats. Although I will say, there's not a comfortable seat in that building. <laughs> really, really isn't from those orange goddamn seats. Those things are not meant for a wide hipped American. That is for certain. Uh, and then the bleachers and everything. Like, there's just not a comfortable seat in the place. I guess it helps helps with the charm of it. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we get to uh, enjoy the facilities of the arena before the doors open, and uh, we're not usually sitting around because probably for the same reason. Yeah. Seriously, I want to go back in time. I want to go back to young Robbie Eagles. I want to talk a second or two about your backyard pro wrestling promotion, if you don't mind. Right. What was it? He's like, oh God, why did I say that? <laughs> give me, give me your biggest rival in your backyard wrestling promotion. All right, biggest rival. Hmm. Yeah. Who was uh, your feud? My well, I had a couple. Um, okay. Because there was actually a couple of different, I guess, promotions. I put in quotation marks that I that I would wrestle for. Um, I had my own one, which was local, and uh, my my rival was uh, his, his wrestling name was Marco Mac, and that's actually my brother in law in real life. Oh, um, okay, so we've been connected for a long, long time. But then uh, there was a there was a group called HVWA, and we were quite infamous on the internet. There's there's actually uh, a astounding amount of professional wrestlers that are in big time places now that watched our videos in 2005 uh-huh. to 2007. Okay. Um, and in that in that promotion, uh, my main feud was against a guy called Jay Static, and uh, 
We actually were billed to have a TLC match at some point, but uh, he decided that he wanted to be an adult and uh, joined a band full time. And I was like, yeah, oh. fair enough. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you, I, I mean, I know sometimes it's looked down upon, but I talk to more guys that, that are that have that's how they start. I mean, you, you watch and you're like, okay, we're going to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty uh, of it as well. So I think it's, I, I know the dangers that are involved in it, but uh, I don't know. She seems like a lot of people get their start that way. Right? Yeah. Well, we, uh, we definitely took it a lot more seriously. We weren't trying to be trashy in any way. We had like a fully home ring, uh, home built ring that was, you know, uh, the base of it was made out of steel because the guy's, dad that built it was like a he worked in steelwork so he knew what he was doing um so like structurally it was it was up there with some of the professional rings that i wrestle in to this day but um you know our our music video recaps that we put out there were watched by the masses and you know there are people like uh so there was one wrestler i have to drop his name just because it's the most interesting one uh his wrestling name was was poo muffin i'm sorry poo muffin poo poo muffin you heard me right (laughs) Um, All right. And he wasn't the most serious of us, but he could still do some cool shit. But he uh, he wore like fluffy Ugg boots as his wrestling boots. And they were multicolored as well. He was he was a character. I have had more people in the pro wrestling industry come up to me and name drop him as someone they remembered watching from the videos than anyone else. (laughs) That is great. So they'll come up to you and mention poo muffin, and uh, your head's got to explode at that point. Yeah, it's like of all the people, there was there was some we had some slick characters that could actually wrestle back in the day, and were like you know re- renowned as guys that should have gone pro and they would have taken over and yada yada yada. But I've had wrestlers from the states, from New Zealand, from the UK. Oh, you know poo muffin. I'm like, what the fuck? What am I? Just the alternate reality that I'm in right now. Uh, but it's but it but it takes you back. It takes you back to when you were a kid and your and your friends and your mates and going to school and and you know coming up with your own angles and yeah. I mean, some of the some of the best times growing up was was that. What what got you into pro wrestling? So what was the thing that like you're changing channels? Like you come across it? Did you have buddies that were in, into it? Like how did you get that? find that itch get that itch find scratch the itch whatever that saying is i was uh classically uh into things like power rangers and spider-man comics as a kid so i was kind of into that whole larger than life superhero-esque thing genre um and then my sister started high school and then i had started playing soccer on the side as well or football as joel would refer to it yes um so i'm making sure i'm getting my ducks in a row there (laughs) uh so i was playing soccer and we made acquaintances with uh two brothers that my sister was going to high school with the eldest brother and they invited us to their house one time and then lo and behold wcw bash at the beach was on pay-per-view that day and they were mad wrestling fans so they they bought the pay-per-view and i just sat there in awe of what i was Mm. watching i had no idea what it was i couldn't fathom it but i just knew i loved it from that minute and i was hooked uh, we had cable at home. I made sure that we had the channel that WCW was showing on. A couple of years later, a friend from school says, oh, but have you seen WWF? And he gives me a tape and then I see Raw for the first time. And then the rest is history, Damon. I, uh, 
you know, as I grew up, the internet became a thing and I found everything. I found everything that was out there. And what, I guess, what was the spark that said, hmm, maybe I, maybe I want to do this. Honestly, it was, it was from that first day when I was six or seven years old, because I, I have vivid memories of being in like the fourth or fifth grade. And we had some sort of task where it was like, draw yourself as your dream job. And uh, this will be a little bit embarrassing, but I want to be as descriptive as possible for the listeners. Uh, I drew myself as a professional wrestler um, holding a championship belt, but I drew myself as Rob Van Dam specifically. Okay. Doing the Rob Van Dam thumbs to the head pose. Sure. Um, But I had switched one of the initials to fit my initial better. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man, I haven't spoken about that for ages, actually. So that's, that's, that's very embarrassing. <laughs> do, do you think you still might have that picture anywhere? <laughs> oh, no, I'm pretty sure that was during the point of time where my mom wanted me to do anything but become a wrestler. Yeah. So I'd come home with these things and she'd be like, that's cool. And then I'd be like, where's my picture? Oh, I don't know. We must have lost it somehow. Dog oh. ate it. <laughs> I bet she's got like a little trunk, a little, uh, you know, a little, little bin full of all of your, uh, your, 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 your little dream bin with all of your pictures. Of, I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to check and see if she does for sure. That, that would be amazing. When you, when you got your first t-shirt that, you know, that didn't come out of your pocket, did that spark a little bit of, oh, okay. I, I feel like I've made it. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. When uh, like the first Robbie Eagle shirt came out, I was like, "Okay, I'm a wrestler now." Right, right. Do you find that between? I mean, obviously, you're you're in there. You talk to uh, to a lot of the wrestlers that that you know your age and even older and even younger. Do you find a lot of them have that that? background of backyard pro wrestling like and it's just it's, it's kind of like a thing that we, we're not going to admit but we're you know when we have a moment we can whisper in a corner about our, our backyard pro wrestling days yeah i guess everyone of i guess like this this generation of wrestler that's wrestling now you know from those that are i guess your 40s onwards to the youngers that are 20 and under i think they all dabbled in it to some degree it's just how serious they took it you know, uh, going back to my, my, my group with, with the illustrious Pumuffin, um, it's, it's been quoted that Will Ospreay, when he was a backyard wrestler, was a fan of our backyard group. So we wow. kind of, it was, it was super strange when we met for the first time because we, we knew who each other was just through this strange backyard wrestling society is, that existed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we, we knew of each other. And I remember there was a there was a clip that did the rounds of me, I think, doing a standing Spanish fly at a local event in Newcastle, which is, you know, two and a half hours north of Sydney here in New South Wales. And uh, a, a Will Osprey on Facebook had shared it, not knowing it was me. And then someone was like, hey, that's, that's such and such from HVWA. And he was like, oh, my God, I have no idea. And then a year later, we wrestled for the first time. Wow. That had to be a pretty surreal moment. It definitely was. I was like, Will Ospreay knows who I am? <laughs> Not bad. When when you were in line for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, um, 
and you were in the mix, did you think in your wildest dreams that you were going to hold that title one day? It was always the goal, but I never actually thought it would happen. And especially the way it did too. Um, yeah, it was, it was like going back to that picture of me as a fake RVD uh, holding that championship that I drew, you know, that was always the dream was to win a major championship. And then especially when I saw, uh, I think kind of my introduction to Japanese wrestling was was watching Jushin Liger versus Hayabusa from one of the really early Super J Cups. And that's mm-hmm. when I went, this is where I want to take my wrestling eventually. And I couldn't, I couldn't have been older than 12 or 13 years old when I saw that for the first time. Uh, but never, never in my wildest dreams, Damon, did I think that was going to happen. It's a great, really great moment. You know, not only that, but, you know, you taking the tag titles with uh, Tiger Mask. Like we, not to blow smoke up your ass, Robbie, but, you know, we were always impressed by the fact that there are guys that are willing to travel in a in a pandemic um and shine like like we're we're at the p- point where we can almost look back in time and say okay this was a very difficult moment for everyone involved pro wrestling aside but yet here are these guys that really found a way to shine like how did you find like we were, was it just that you were at the right place at the right time like how did you become that? I, I don't want to say focal point, but like, wh- like there are guys that shined in a, in a time when it was very difficult to shine. Like, like how did that happen for you? I think it was just perseverance and and hard work, which is what my career's kind of been shaped after. Um, I night in, night out would perform to my maximum. I would train outside of you know, my wrestling schedule to make sure that I looked and felt and moved as good as possible. And every time I'd go away from a tour, I'd try to come back a little leaner, a little bigger, a little faster, a little more agile, whatever it would be. And I'd work on things. I'd always make improvements and I'd try to, um, you know, include new things where I could connect with the crowd more and connect with the audience more. And that could become from things of like, you know, my, my merchandise ideas and, uh, you know, just branding in general and the way that I would connect with fans on social media as well. Uh, I just tried to work on all aspects of being a professional wrestler and trying to make myself that spotlight, that centerpiece. And I think it was just right time, right place. But also, you know, you could look at it as my career in New Japan to that point, but also my entire career in professional wrestling, just everything had been built up to that point. And, you know, if I... (laughs) You know, arguably, if I didn't win the title at that night in the Tokyo Dome, I could have walked away the the next day and said, "Okay, I'm done. Like, uh, I'm not deserving of this." But the fact that it happened for me then and there, um, even through the excruciating circumstances, because I don't know if you saw the story when it kind of all happened, but I, I almost didn't get to Japan at all for that trip. Uh, yeah, explain. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> like one guy <laughs> would have been the difference, right? Yeah, I, I would refer to her as a Sheila because it was a woman uh-huh. um, or a, a floozy, as my friend Adam Brooks would say. And we can <laughs> talk about it a little bit degradingly because she was, you know, a B-I-T-C-H to me. So it's fine. Oh, boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so I had a, a flight scheduled on the 24th of June, 2021. 
I had done everything that I needed to. I'd been to the Japanese consulate. I had done all the paperwork and I purposely called, we had like a COVID hotline in Australia that had information for people traveling because there was exemptions that people needed to get and all this other stuff. And I said, look, I'm, I I've got residency in Japan. Uh, do I need anything else to get an exemption or do I need an exemption to leave? And the hotline said, no, you're fine. You've got residency. It's all good. Okay. I turn up for my flight. They check me in and they go, Hey, you need to go see border force to get an exemption. I'm like, Oh shit. I start panicking and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? I go to the border force security officer and they're kind of like checking my details. They take my passport and they come back and they say, Oh, okay. So, um, we see that you've actually spent more time in Australia than abroad. So we can't prove your residency status. So you need to apply for an exemption. And I'm like, yeah, I've been stuck in Australia because there's a global pandemic that doesn't allow me to travel freely. And they go, yeah, well, tough luck. And I basically just sit there for about two and a half hours trying to apply for an exemption after exemption on this app that they forced me to do on my phone. And I just get denied, denied, denied. I don't have the right info. And then my flight leaves. So I I missed the flight. And uh, they're like, yeah, you're done for the day. You need to go away now. So I, I spend the next 48 hours doing whatever I have to. I had to get stuff signed by uh, justice of the peace to make sure that, that my statement that I was putting forward was true and factual. I was going for work. I had all these legitimate reasons to travel. So it was all Australia's government fault, I guess. Um, they were basically trying to keep me in the country because of how bad COVID was abroad. They didn't want me to get stuck somewhere that was worse than Australia was doing, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, I came back and when I came back two days later, I got the exemption, uh, but my flight had changed from a direct to a transit through Singapore and oh no, worse than the original seat was. And, you know, I just count, counted my lucky stars that I was actually getting there. And I was actually on, like, once I was on that first plane to Singapore, I was like, fuck it. I don't care what happens now. As long as I'm on my way, halfway is good enough, whatever it may be. Oh my God. Are you, are you a good flyer? As, as as I ask Robbie Eagles, the <laughs> high flying junior right? heavyweight, you know, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I, I fly okay. Um, my only downfall is I can't sleep on a plane no. at all. Yeah. No matter not, the no, lying- not with any help. How about with, with a little help? A couple of I've had many a red wine and a Nyquil, and right. it's made me feel real loopy but not sleepy. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've definitely tried anything and everything at this point, and um, yeah, nothing, nothing that's 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 helped me out to get an actual restful sleep. Mm. And then you're in the ring. Like it's not like you're going there for vacation. I, th- I think people forget that. Yes. Like you're hopping off a plane and you're pretty much in the ring. Maybe that that night or the next night, right? Yeah, I mean, be especially before COVID, um, it was pretty much you'd arrive a day before you needed to start fighting. Um, so that's one of the benefits, I guess, in a weird way of like the quarantine periods is you'd fly a little earlier than you needed to by two weeks. And then you'd get those two weeks to kind of settle into a schedule. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, depending on how restrictive the the quarantine measures were, you know, when I, when I got back at the end of 2020, I was in one hotel room that I could not leave. I couldn't even open the door unless I was getting my food. And if I left the door open for too long, I had a security guard yell at me, hey, close your door. Really? So, uh, yeah, it was It was basically prison. Um, it was the most luxury 
prison I've ever been in. And it's probably <laughs> the nicest hotel room I've still ever been in. Okay. Uh, but if I ever end up in a room like that again, I'll probably have PTSD from that two weeks I spent there. So Yeah, what do you do? You just on your phone, watching TV, uh, you know, what I do was, you do? I was so lucky. Uh, whilst I was away for that Super Juniors, my wife bought me a PlayStation 5 and the quarantine measures were in place where people could drop off packages and parcels and whatever else you needed to the hotel. So she had a friend drop off the PlayStation 5 to me on day one and uh, I bought from a local retailer uh, down the street, I bought the Spider-Man video game on the next day and I just played that for two weeks straight, basically. That is great. What a gem. What What a... you 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 have yourself a good one right there i mean sending you the playstation nice coming to it and pro wrestling new japan cup show for our honeymoon and buying me a playstation 5 for me to use while i'm in quarantine it doesn't get any better it does really you know my wife i took her to corkin uh we went to uh i want to say it was a wrestle one show or maybe it was a zero one show i'm not sure but there was a a wrestle one it was their junior tag uh finals and there's no barricade around ringside, of course. Um, front row, Robbie. So it's great. You know, we're right there, right? All the action. And I see the spot lined up where somebody gets tossed outside, our side, of course. And we're going to back up in the center of the ring, ready to kind of shoot off the ropes, whoop, go hop over. Uh, I see it coming and I grab her. <laughs> and I kind of pull her away from her chair because her chair, she, they would have landed right in her lap. And she just looks at me and he's like, I- I- I'm leaving. <laughs> I had to leave. I had to leave Corgan. I was like, you didn't like your first experience? Said, no. But she did make it back to the Tokyo Dome. So uh, that, that was nice. That she, was went to see, she went to see her boyfriend Liger. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. Right. Robbie, I, I got to be honest with you. It, it was a pleasure speaking with you. I, 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 I can't imagine you having anything more boring to do today than this, but I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you carved out some time for us, our, our lowly little uh, Super J cast. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, do you know of others that listen to the show? <laughs> There's definitely a few of the guys that listen along. Um, okay. And, you know, I'm one of them. I've been listening for a long time. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember when we actually met in person, Damon? Yeah, at the hub. Yes, yes, we did. Yes, was I it, do. It was Kyle that introduced us, right? It was Kyle. It yeah. was Kyle. Yes. Kyle. By the way, Kyle is maybe the the nicest guy I've ever met in my entire life. Funny dude, funniest dude. Um, his, you know, at this point they're gonna get married, but okay. But but you know Claire too, right? I believe I've met her once or twice. Yes, she pound for pound can drink anybody under the table. She is unbelievable, tiny, and just can she, she can just put down drinks like no one else I've ever seen. It's an amazing thing. It must be the Australian in them, right? I was gonna say um, I'd like to, you know, say it's the Aussie thing, but I don't want to. I don't want to brag about it too much because I'm definitely not someone that drinks anyone under the table. To be honest, oh, these these kids can these kids can go. These kids they can throw them down. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time in Australia, so I do have a couple of questions just about Australia in general, and then we'll wrap it up. One, Sydney. Uh, when we went, and I forget exactly the time frame, what's the deal with the flies, dude? Oh, yeah. If you were here in summer, um, I'm sorry. It's it's terrible. That's why we- <laughs> it uh, is. 
if you've ever watched like I'm pretty sure it's on the Crocodile Dundee movies, but we have we have these uh hats called Akubras that are kind of like I guess our take on cowboy hats, but they have little uh strings hanging down from the uh the the brim, I guess, and they have like little almost what you would put in like the top of a wine, like a a, a cork piece. And they hang, and the reason that people wear these Akubras with those hanging little cork pieces is because it's like a instant fly repellent for your face because mm. you just kind of move left and right and swats them away without you having to lift a hand. Yeah, isn't there like a like a like a uh, they call it the Australian wave or something like that, and it's just people batting yeah, flies away from them, batting in front of your face, so you're not actually waving at anyone. You're just trying to get rid of the millions of flies that are constantly trying to go up your nose. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> terrible. I apologize for it. I can't do anything to stop it. But yeah, it's 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 a shit go. It's a thing, right? Yeah. Um, I think you're assigned one at the airport, and it just follows you around everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what it was. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite Australian band. Ooh, 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 of all time. Of all time. Uh, ooh, that is quite difficult. I was listening to a couple earlier while I was driving. I mean, you, you can't go past ACDC, really. They have so many songs in, in the classic catalog that are just bangers. Yeah. So, I mean, you put on ACDC at any pub and people are singing the words. So, yeah, that's no, a, that, that's classic. No doubt. No doubt, uh, and and uh, for years, like they, they're like one band that could sell out stadiums anywhere they go, like mm-hmm. stadium stadiums. You know, uh, I was going with NXS, but that's okay, that's fine. Okay, fine. yeah, yeah, some Michael Hutchins, yeah, I don't mind some NXS. Uh, and then currently, uh, I'm only familiar with uh, DMAs. Oh yeah, yeah, DMAs. DMAs are good. They uh, they get a lot of play on the radio station that I quite enjoy listening to. That have a few uh, DJs and uh, people that are presenters there that are wrestling fans. So is that right? Yeah, share okay. the wealth. Bridget Huswage, yeah. shout out. <laughs> nice. When uh, when will when can can we uh, expect to see you back? Well, I've got Mexico coming up. Uh, right. I'm going to be there for a little bit of time, not not too long, but um, just a, a little tour. Uh, is this your first? It is. Yeah, it Ooh. is my first. So I'm, I'm I'm very excited and to you know share the the Grand Prix with with Rocky and Tiger Mask. How could I ask for any better partners, right? Um, <laughs> we'll have to see how I. How is Tiger Mask? I got to ask. Is he is he grumpy? Tell me he's grumpy. <laughs> Tell me he's he is as grumpy as he seems. Personally, Damon, I haven't seen him too grumpy. He's always okay. been pleasant and quite upbeat with me. I don't know if that's like the youth on my side that brought it out of him, but uh, I can definitely see where people would think he was grumpy. Uh, I could definitely see that, especially if you know you're a young lion or you're you're the kohai to his senpai. Um, yeah, it's definitely not the end of the spectrum I'd like to be on. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, okay, so we're doing Mexico first time. Uh, first time in Arena Mexico, right? Correct. Yep. Oh, I mean that's that's you're checking boxes right now, right? Absolutely. And I've got a friend that lives in Melbourne. Uh, he's originally from Mexico, and he's actually going to be back there visiting family at the same time. So I've got like Fantastic. my own personal tour guide. It's going to be great. Oh, no doubt. And I'm sure the weather will be. Well, it might be a little bit hot down there, but uh, you'll yeah. be fine. I, I do um, in the summer weather, so it's 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 all good for me. It's it's too fucking cold in Sydney right now, so get me out of here. All right, you're gonna you're gonna be loving life then. And then uh, when when should we expect you back in the New Japan ring? 
not long after that Mexico trip is what I can say. Uh, not long after. So yeah, it won't, it won't be a long wait. And uh, like, like I said earlier, hopefully I'm a part of those early September shows where the uh, the cheering's going to be back. So um, fingers crossed everything lines up. You watching any of this G1? I literally had it on as we spoke. Oh, huh? okay. So, all right. You, I, I saw were you all enthralled matches, by Chase and Fale? And <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Chase Chase surprises me. Um, or Chase you know, and Okan, I'm sorry. Uh, that's yeah. it. Chase, Chase and Okan was uh, what kicked us off for the uh, the the block matches. Uh, it was it was interesting. I didn't expect the result to go that way, um, but uh, the rest of the matches as they unfolded were quite quite interesting to watch, Damon. I don't know if we're supposed to be. Spoil I mean, by the time this is uploaded, it's the you know people people will be talking. Right. So um, you know, fair fair enough if you haven't fucking watched it by now, right? Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, David picking up the big win in the main event there. Holy shit! Good for him. Yeah. Good for How him. About it? Yeah. And 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 uh, Kenta getting his book over. <laughs> I wish I could read Japanese just so I yeah. could read that book, but I'm gonna have to wait for a an English translation. How would get, get get Chris get Chris on it? He'll 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 bang that up. I'll just get him to uh, read it to me. Yeah, just have him sit on the bus and have him read it to you. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. I would pay. You know what? I'd pay money for that. I'd pay money to see that. Would you um, pay money for that to be a pay per view stream on New Japan? Yes, World for Chris absolutely Dalton to read Robbie Eagles on the floor yeah. of Corican Hall. The Kenta, yes, a little, little yeah, a little blanket, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, that's. Oh, listen, if you can make a buck, I'm all for it. I'll, I'll support anything. <laughs> hey, listen, I, again, I, this we could. I feel like we could have gone two hours, but I'm going to keep it at the one. I appreciate the time that you spent with us. I know uh, all of our listeners do. Big fans, yours, um, and our Discord always, whenever you're on, it's never a bad match, and our Discord goes pretty nuts when uh, when the, the final bell rings. Uh, and it's a Robbie Eagles match, and the, all the praise, all the roses seem to, f- to fly your way. So we really appreciate you taking some time for us with Joel away on vacation. Uh, anytime, Damon. Like I said, avid listener. Uh, just thankful for you guys supporting us, especially through the pandemic period, as you did, and uh, going forward as well. You know, uh, I've definitely met some of your listeners at local events in Australia too. So. The reach is there, man. You guys, you guys are the big shots. That's why I come on the Super J cast. None of this hokey pokey stuff here. I'm, I'm, I'm on the big time being here. So thank you very much for inviting me. Wow, we're gonna, we're gonna isolate that cut for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be the opening of every show now. <laughs> that, that. Um, anything you want to plug? Anything uh, you want to uh, get over to our listeners? Got a, a, a shop or dates or what do you, what do you want to do? Yeah, I guess like the only things I can put over is my social media. Um, I'm at Robbie Eagles underscore and everything, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. They can obviously find me on Pro Wrestling Tees. For people that are more located to my part of the world, there is a shop called wrestlermerch.com, which is uh, more oceanic and a lot nicer on the shipping prices. And you can get a lot of the same products. So definitely head there as well. And, you know, if you come out to a local show that I'm a part of in Australia or in any part of the world, please come say hello. Tell me you're a listener of the Super J cast so that I can take a photo with you and I can uh, send it to Damon and Joel and let you guys know that the reach is there and there are fans of myself and fans of you guys like I am of this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, we really appreciate it, Robbie. You are the best. Uh, 
let's do our plugs, the, the redcircle.com. Uh, throw us a couple bucks if you want. If you enjoyed stuff like this, uh, maybe we can do more. So that'd be awesome. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees as well for us, Super Jcast. Buy a t-shirt. Makes us feel important. Um, Joel will be away for, I think, another week or two. Uh, thanks to editor Dan, of course, for all his fine work healing, uh, his face is healing after his, uh, brutal accident, um, uh, busted up his face, Robbie. He looked like a mess. Um, yeah, I heard you talking about it with Karen. So, uh, I, yeah. I hope he's, I hope he's doing much better. He's doing much better. And of course, escape the box is what you want to listen to on Spotify, Apple music. The band is, uh, seems like he's churning out content every single day and it's all great. So thanks to editor Dan. You can follow him, LousyHero219. I don't have anything else to plug. So with that, we'll be back with probably a little bit more G1 talk later on in the week. But for me and Robbie, we thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. See you.